If you're saved and you know it, then your life will surely show it. If you're saved and you know it, say amen. We are familiar with that children's hymn. How is it that our lives will show it, though? How do we know? Well, it's the work of the Holy Spirit, as we'll see next on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. From Valley Bible Church in Hercules, welcome to today's broadcast of Truth For Today with our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard. Today, we're continuing with our final look at our series on the Holy Spirit. The result of spirit filling is the title of our message today. Now, we've been here for the past few broadcasts, and today we'll wrap up with one final look at what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. What are the results, and how do we know we're filled? How does it manifest itself? We'll answer those questions for you today. Here's Pastor Phil Howard now with more. Tell me something about God to praise. Uh, 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 hallelujah, brother. Isn't he wonderful? You just told me to praise him. I told you to praise him. Hallelujah. Come in. Do it. What well, can you praise about him? Anybody know anything in this building that you'd praise God about? Five people. Raise your hand. What could you praise him about? Salvation. Salvation. That's not bad. A king. Faithfulness. What was it? Blessing. Cat. Perfection. Perfection. Not doing too bad. That's what you praise him about. His character. His works. And then you can go what he's done for me in Jesus. We glory in Jesus. So all worship, we don't need a priest dressed up in a fancy outfit. We don't need animals. We don't need candles. Uh, I don't need lighting. I get sick of the idolatry that's in the church. The big word is ambiance. Create the mood. Create. Get me in a worshipful mood. If you'll keep it dark, I'll feel like worshiping. No, I feel like depression. I'm a child of light. I'm not a child of darkness. Candles. What? That's for my birthday, honey. I don't need, I'm not going back to Rome. I don't need liturgy. I take a plain building. I can take a Holy Ghost hall. I don't need ambiance. I need the Spirit in me and truth. And I can worship. <laughs> Carol and I took Donna out the other night. We were just, she's been here 40 years. Came out of a, a broken marriage and a church in apostasy. And it was the nice building in town. And uh, all that grew up in it all of her life, she said. And, and when she came uh, to Holy Ghost Hall, it's where we met in Pinal, Holy Ghost Association Hall. And how many of you remember that? Any of you remember? Yeah, right there. You, you just met the, uh, these people were all on the ark with me. We were all on the ark together. And uh, way back. And, uh, and we were talking and said, uh, well, uh, Donna, what was it? Uh, we had rickety old chairs. Uh, 
She said, I smelled the booze as soon as I came in. And often on Saturday night, you, there'd be a lot of booze spilled on the floor. Sometimes skunks would, in the summertime would spray, and man, what an odor we'd have in there. You know what, incense. We had incense. Uh, and, uh, and we were talking, what was it? You came from this nice building, this nice denomination, this nice... Why would you go to a rickety old dance hall that smells like a, a bar? Was it the ambiance? Or was it God? The presence of God changed her life, turned her inside out, changed hundreds of lives. You see, Jesus said, you were, let me tell you right now, some of you will leave this place without worshiping. And there's no one to blame but your human spirit. You must not have any truth you're rejoicing over. It, it's not the band. It's not the job of the choir to make you worship. No, no. That's not, it's not our job to make you worship. It's the job of God, the spirit, to make you worship. I, and I worship God all week. I don't need to show up. But this ought to be the most exhilarating meeting all week. You know what bothers a lot of young people with uh, uh, adult music? It's not what we sing, it's how we sing it. <laughs> Just the, all the enthusiasm has died because we're not into that. Because what we get is notional church. You just know. I just, I'm cerebral. Can you imagine on the wedding day, do you take her to be your lawful wedded wife? I do. Let's get on. No, you must kiss the bride. No, I'm not into emotion. I'm not into lips. What? You're going to write a thesis on brains? I hope she doesn't kiss your brain. It'd be hard for her to find it. What, what, what is it? What is all this dichotomy? I'm all brains and no emotion. No, you're not emotional because you haven't found anything in your brain to be emotional about. God didn't make us dichotomous. We're one whole being. Truth is to affect my spirit. And Jonathan Edwards wrote a great treatise. He who has no affections for God does not know God. He who has no emotions about God does not know God. God is not a mathematical equation. He's a divine person that will melt the stoniest heart when you come to know him. This is not science. This is relational. Now, he says in Ephesians, those that are under the control of the Spirit, it breaks out in what he calls uh, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Now, it's interesting. Colossians says, he who is full of the message regarding Christ, full of the gospel, they will break out the same way. So I see them almost equivalent. Spirit filling, a part of its dynamic, it fills my heart with the message concerning Christ, the gospel. Are you still uh, reveling in the good news of what God revealed to you in Jesus? Or has, have you moved on to deeper things? There are no deeper things than Christ and all he's done for us in salvation. But listen to that Ephesians. Here he said, 
sing these songs, speak them. Uh, I think it's interesting. Here we're speaking and singing. Uh, Let me give you a little uh, hint. I I looked up these words. I've often been bugged by psalm, hymn, spiritual song. What's the difference? And so I did a little study here. Colossians, what bothers me in Colossians uh, is that we're to speak one to another. Now, let me ask you in singing. Uh, do any of you sing during the song service? Let's see, besides the choir. Is it, is it to always be vertical to God? Not necessarily. I think that's the way I would have answered until I studied Colossians. Look at what Colossians says singing ought to do. And Psalms. He said it ought to be admonishing one another. If I admonish you, you know what I do? I warn you. I instruct you. Uh, it's based upon the word for mind. I address your mind to change something about you. That's what the word admonish means. Sometimes it's translated to warn you. But admonish means I'm singing a message of uh, pay attention, change, whatever. And then the word teaching, of course, conveying the truth. Now, he said we ought to be, when we sing, we ought to sing songs that admonish one another And we ought to sing songs that teach one another. So there is a horizontal ministry in singing. Not just to God. Does it teach? Does it admonish? Or do we just sing a ditty? Because we we like uh, the guitar riff. What does it say? It's got to have content. Church has got to be content. We're not just having jam sessions here. We're about content. Okay? Now, let's, if you sing a psalm, what does that mean? And most of you don't sing psalms too well because you don't play an instrument. Psalming meant to play a stringed instrument. That's what the word really meant. Not just the 150 psalms. It was to pluck a harp string, to twang. It's used that way in Greek. Twang. Strings. So it was Songs with musical accompaniment. David was a harp player, right? He played for Saul. So psalming, you could sing a psalm to a pagan deity, and they call it a psalm. I'm playing a stringed instrument to it. And so it was something sung to God, usually with musical accompaniment. Then we go to hymns. Hymns primarily... Uh, were songs that celebrated, celebrated, or recited the attributes of one of the gods. Uh, the Greeks sang hymns. They sing them to their gods. The Philistines sang to Dagon. Uh, so the idea is, I'm praising my God for what he, deliver me from battle. Deliver me from this or that. So it's a, Song of celebration. I think getting across the Red Sea, Exodus 15. Great song. Pharaoh, the horse and his rider, you've cast into the sea. You've made a way. Great celebration. 
great celebration. That's what we ought to be singing. And then this little word, oddities or odies, uh, if I can say it right, O-D-E-S, odes, uh, was an idea of spiritual songs born of the Spirit, and it was basically experiential songs. And there's about 36 of them in the Psalms. From Psalms uh, 30, let's see, 30, Psalms 18 to 134, there's 36 different Psalms that record David's experiences. You deliver me from uh, Saul. You deliver me from this. And they are songs of praise, but very experiential. You'll get some people, we should never sing an experiential song. Why not? As long as you're giving praise to God. God delivered me. Uh, God did this. Uh, God triumphed over this matter. And so you've got this combination prompted by the Spirit. And uh, have you ever heard of a new song? Have you ever read the Psalms where it said, uh, let us sing a new song to the Lord? Okay. Why is it some of you croak every time we sing a new song? Was all the sacred music written in the 1600s? Do you have to be from Northern Europe to write a hymn? Basically Germans. Great, great words. And as a whole, you, we can't beat the verbiage of what's said out there. Now, you take, we sang this morning, he whispers sweet peace. Now, is that a hymn or a spiritual song? It'd be a testimonial. It's, he whispers sweet peace. And, and you're over here, you're getting ready to have your nervous breakdown. You're saying, well, he didn't whisper to me. He said, this is my testimony. I was despairing. I turned to the Lord, and I've written a song to celebrate it. God whispered sweet peace to me. See, a lot of experiential songs. Uh, it's amazing. The Pentecostals taught me the experiential songs. The Baptists taught me the hymns. They did. How Firm a Foundation and, and all these wonderful songs. But over here was a lot of experiential stuff that, uh, you know, emotional. By the way, uh, should worship ever involve emotion? Let me tell you what emotionalism is. Emotionalism is a lot of response without truth. You just, at, you know, you're doing whatever. You can be like the prophets of Baal, jumping up and down on the altar. Just got to do something, do something. Uh, emotional, whatever that, however that comes out. Uh, no, when we talk about emotion, we're not talking about emotionalism, which is I'm just doing something has nothing to do with truth. No, we're saying that truth should beget holy emotions, affections, if you want to be Edwardian. And so that you cannot believe, uh, I think it was the great struggle I had coming out of Pentecostal circles with all their exuberance, all the enthusiasm, uh, wonderful singing, spontaneous singing, as I remember it, all of that. And then guess what I did? I went to Baptist schools. And I was the most emotional guy in the school. Very subdued, or they'd kick me out. 
Rich Rollins says you were the only guy in theology class that had to sit in the back because you wept so much as you heard truth. So starving for truth. I had emotion. I had the uh, microwave oven of wonderful Pentecostal meetings. Loved it. Saved in it. And if I'd had my way, that's where I'd be pastoring. But truth kept getting me over here where that's not where necessarily I could fit. But here I had all this emotion. Then I'd go to schools because I had a hunger to know. I saw it in my dad. I saw it in my brother. I saw it in my sister. We always wanted to know. We didn't want to stay ignorant. We wanted to know the Bible. Is there anything wrong with wanting to know the Bible coming out of a red-hot meeting? Do you still have a hunger for the Word? Dallas Seminary didn't illuminate me. No seminary made me hungry to know. The Holy Spirit made me hungry to know. And the only guys teaching that around this place was Baptist. El Cerrito, Western Baptist College. I went to different Baptist schools. Well, as a whole, there was no emotion. I used to go up and hug my prof after a great lecture, and I'm wiping my eyes. Now, my prof was six foot five, an ex-Navy boxer, a debater, and weigh about 280 and did not believe in touch. And thought an emotion was a work of the flesh. Well, I didn't know. I said, thank you, Laverne. I just loved it. And he's there. Are you done? He went, no, he's really nice. He let me. But there was no hugging back. That's a work of the flesh, remember. And so when I first came out, I always had to listen to black gospel music and southern gospel to remember what emotions were. Because I wanted truth, but I wanted to still be emotional about it. I was going to jump a pew, but I wasn't going to stare like I was just a Presbyterian. I'm not a Presbyterian. So this church came about. We're a hybrid. Some of you get nervous when we're emotional because you're all notional. You're frozen in it. That's spiritual. Whatever it is, that's you. And that's all right. You stay you. But can I be me? You not get all offended. Say, well, man, there are fanatics down there. Fanatic, my foot. We're happy about the resurrection of Christ and that he's coming again. And we got truth. I'm not getting it all whipped up. Some of you just want to say, cut it straight, cut it straight, cut it straight. So what if we cut it straight? What is it doing for you? Are you a worker for God? Do you bust out in worship? Do you bust out even weeping? Do you bust out in thanksgiving? Or you just say, well, pretty good sermon today. No, 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 no. Frozen saints, backslidden, lukewarm, until Laodicea, boil in spirit. You lost your zeal. And you need to repent. You read it in Revelation 3. And the word zeal there is to boil. I have to fight for it because I'm so emotional just by makeup that people think I'm spiritual. <laughs> just being emotional doesn't make you spiritual. Why are you emoting? What moves you? Does Jesus... And he went over here. The word concerning Christ fill your heart. Three things, our worship, the foundation, my spirit, and truth. Two, 
the fullness of the Spirit. When he's filling me, I'll break out some way, speaking or singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Some way my mouth starts becoming a conveyor of divine content, divine truth. When his word, the word concerning Christ fills me, same response. I bust out with my mouth because my heart's engaged, and I start speaking to you in what? Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. So is the word filling you about Christ? Is the spirit filling you? What is your mouth doing? What are you sharing? Can you keep it quiet? If you can keep it quiet, it's not a spring of living water springing up into eternal life. I will put in you a river that will spring up into eternal life. This spake he of the Holy Spirit, which had not yet been given, for the Son of Man had not yet been glorified. John 7, 37 through 39. Let me tell you, saints, we need to pray for revival and revived worship and that we're not just coming here the stayed hour. There ought to be enthusiasm. Our young people shouldn't have to teach you adults to sing. You ought to sing with all your heart. And don't complain about new songs if the content's right. I got to learn them too. I don't want to become an old folks home. I'm not just going to live on Bill Gaither. There's other music. And I grew up on Gaither. There's a new age, new people coming to the body. Never heard anybody ever heard I'll fly away. That's not what they need to know. They need truth. Truth. The truth of this word. This is what they know. So we keep our roots. We keep where we came from. But we keep trying to reach another generation. So are we worshiping? Does anyone accuse us of being a spirit-filled worshiping church? I wish. You know, if Deborah and I had our way... We would combine the two services so this building resonated. Because uh, this is not an easy building to sing in. You know what I loved as a Pentecostal? We had small buildings. We did. A lot of them were just storefront buildings or whatever. This biggest thing I've ever been able to hang out in. But you know what? I was worshiping God in storefront buildings in Holy Ghost Hall. I don't need the building. This is nice. But I wanted to echo people praising God. People moved by the Spirit of God. People changed. I, this is no museum for me, show-off place. No, 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 no. We just do it to accommodate people. But I tell you, if the word gets out that this place is alive when we worship, it's exhilarating, it's exciting, and you won't have to worry about staying awake. And some of you that just sat there, uh, please don't quench the spirit. You're going to get old and cranky and sour unless you ask for fresh touches from heaven. All of us. We need to be touched constantly afresh from heaven. And the church said, Amen. Amen. And that will bring us to the end of our time today here on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Closing out today's program, we would invite you to contact us. If you'd like to review today's program, just mention the date when you get in touch with us, and we'll send a copy your way. And if you would like to partner with us, become a TFT sustainer, 
We'd love for you to contact us with that desire as well. That includes a quarterly newsletter, a once-a-year special gift, take a break with Pastor Phil, the weekly video devotional, and so much more. As you link arms with us financially and prayerfully, we're able to bring these things to you and continue the ministry of Truth For Today here on KFAX with the hopeful prayer of going daily, Monday through Friday, here on this same station. Now, here's how to contact us, either for a copy of today's program, or again, if you would like to partner with us financially, we would love to hear from you. 855-833-9864 is our phone number, 855-833-9864 is our phone number. And if you contact us today, I'll send you two of Pastor Phil's latest books, both for $20 or more. For a gift of 20 or more, we'll send you What in the World is Going to Happen and Jesus Christ, the Revealer of God. Again, for a gift of $20 or more, we'll send you both of these books written by Pastor Phil Howard as our way of saying thank you for partnering with us. Again, you can reach us at 855-833-9864. Or you can write to us through our website. Drop us an email at valleybible.org. That's valleybible.org. Snail mail, 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278. We're here in Hercules. The zip code is 94547. And as always, you're welcome to join us for worship. Service times here at the church are at 9 and 11. Directions and information can be found at valleybible.org or by calling us 855-833-9864. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Until next week at the same time, may the Lord richly bless you.